0: The Hazy Podcast is brought to you by E.K. the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 12, Hazy Reflections. October 13th, Man in the Mirror. The next major event in the fraternity was called Man in the Mirror. All of the brothers we had asked said that the event was going to be the easiest of all of the events. We found out at our weekly pledge meeting that all we'd need for the event were dress clothes and to be sober. The requirement to be sober for the event wasn't a bad thing. At the time, we thought it meant they were going to either make us think or drink. John had a tough time with this one because sobriety wasn't a strong suit. Before the event, he told me, I'm going to the event high, Mike. Fuck them. They won't be able to tell. John getting high was one more stress for my evening. If John got in trouble for showing up high, we'd all get in trouble. It was the name of the game. We were one person, so John was going to fuck the rest of us. I argued with John, and after some compromise, we agreed that we would have a great smoke session after the event together. John had just gotten some new AK-47 that he wanted to share with me. That would be our plan after the event, unless something else came up, like some good old-fashioned hazing. For the event, we kept our pledge packs and pledge books in our dorm rooms. LT said that it would be okay not to bring them, but we needed to be wearing our pledge pins. The problem with that was, I had recently lost my pledge pin. Consequently, I had to carry my cement block to the event while wearing dress clothes. I had hidden my cement block next to a dilapidated building next to LT's house. On our way to the chapter house, I scooped up my pin and met the guys at the back door of the chapter house. A brother came out of the back door and told us all to line up at the front door. We walked around the house and lined ourselves up. When we lined up at the door, I was first, John second, James third, and Tony fourth. I just wanted to get it over with. That's why I went first. Carrying a cement block makes you want to get journeys and adventures over with quite quickly. We are each called into the house, one by one. It would be an individual event. Mike, if you're first, come on in, and bring your pledge pin with you. LT said, I lifted up my cement block pledge pin and carried it inside. The lights were off inside the house, and the only light cast into the party room was from the street lights outside when the front door was opened. I looked back at my pledge brothers once more before the brothers shut the door behind me. John Knowles had a smile on his face, and he laughed quietly as he whispered, "I'm so high. Good luck." When the door closed, the room that had once possessed a degree of light was now completely pitch black. I held on to my cement block tightly, so I wouldn't trip over anything. I didn't want to drop it and punch a hole through the floor. When my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I still couldn't see anyone's faces. LT guided me to sit down in the corner of the party room. I was sat in front of a mirror. What do you want me to do with my pledge pin? I asked. Put it beside you, Savvy? LT sarcastically replied. The room was silent until I heard the shuffling of feet. It slowly filled with brothers from other rooms. As they came into the room, some of their lighters cast reflections in the mirror. When the room was almost full, it fell silent again. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, so I sat in the darkness and waited. After keeping silent for what felt like was forever, LT finally spoke. You're here tonight because we need to see what kind of man you are, have been, and will become. And equally as important, you are here because you have to discover more about what kind of man is looking back at you in the mirror. I hoped that there wasn't a lot I was going to have to memorize. Everything that they had us memorize was always lengthy, consisting of a few paragraphs or more. By the time we were able to learn it, we were so fucked up we'd usually never remember it the next day. I hope the goat from the last event wasn't secretly stored for this one. I was waiting for it to come around the corner and bat at me. Someone walked over and lit candles in front of my cement block and I. It revealed my reflection in what resembled a vintage mirror, but was probably a dorm room Walmart special. LT spoke again. We're going to read you something from our ritual book. You don't need to memorize anything. We want you to sit there and listen. They each took turns reading from their ritual book. What they were reading described how I would view myself over the years to come if I cheated those around me or cheated myself. They told me that to be an honorable man meant being able to rest my head at night guilt-free and look at myself in the mirror. Their words had touched my soul. It was the fraternity's way of telling me to be a good man. I sat quietly and waited for them to ask me a question or do something. Instead, they made me sit in the quiet darkness of the chapter house and stare into the mirror in front of me. So, I couldn't include this at the time because of copyright, but it would have been the Man in the Mirror poem that would have been read by these guys at the time, because that's what they read to us. Man, you can tell the people the truth. I told you, we don't have to worry. He's dead. He's not coming after us. It's just the song. (laughs) It's the song. We had to listen to the song back to back on repeat 16 times in a row. That's what we had to do. I don't even know what that means. You don't know the Man in the Mirror song by Michael Jackson? No that makes my joke far less funny. I'm but so sorry. Funny, but maybe funnier to the listener. You need, you need to look at the song man. You need to look at the song man in the mirror by Michael Jackson. I'll google it when I hit play again. <laughs> I thought this was fucked up. I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror all night. I was in no way vain up until this point. And then I realized how many tiny imperfections my face had in the flickering light. I started to mind fuck myself because I didn't like what I saw. With my bad eyes, the shadows cast tired eyes upon my face and showed me a glimpse into a sad life with a sad future that I did not want for myself. I had to try and become a perfect man, or I'd become someone I hated looking at in the mirror. Mike, we know you love answering questions clearly, so we dumbed them down especially for you, so your questions would be more direct. Why do you want to be in SIG-H? LT asked me, beginning the line of questioning. I want to be in Sig H because it is the best fraternity on this campus. It has the best parties and the hottest girls hang out here. Sig H has the most fraternal connections in Virginia Beach. And now that I've started pledging, I would never quit. Why did you choose to pledge this fraternity? LT asked, being somewhat redundant. I chose to pledge this fraternity because I already had some friends in it. And when I started hanging out with you guys, you seemed pretty cool. A lot of you smoke pot, which I like, because you won't judge me for doing it. I get along with all of you, and I haven't had any problems with anyone in the fraternity. I answered, feeling a sense of deja vu. Homo! Someone coughed. The brothers all laughed. Then LT returned the focus to the event questions. Why choose a fraternity at all? He questioned. I said, my reasons haven't changed since the Sig H Rush Barbecue. I wanted to pledge a fraternity because I thought it would be a great experience, and it would be nice to have a place to party. A place where I was free from persecution, safe from prosecution, and my brothers would luck out for me in times of need. Can you make friends without being in a fraternity? LT asked, implying that I couldn't make friends without being in a fraternity. Yeah, I have tons of friends. I am a social butterfly, and I made loads of friends before I pledged Sig H, and I will make even more friends when I am done pledging. I was careful not to say, when I'm in the fraternity. I didn't want to seem arrogant or have them destroy my confidence. Why do you want brothers then? LT asked harshly. The questioning became slightly more intrusive, but remained direct. I want brothers because I want people that I know will have my back, and they know I will have theirs. Knowing that your friends are willing to do the same things for you that you are for them is important to me. Are you afraid to be who you are? LT asked. No, I'm proud of who I am. I am honest in everything I do, I said. Why change to be in the fraternity then, LT replied. I answered LT calmly and honestly. I want to take and learn the strong traits that each of you encompasses and add it to my own persona to make myself the best person I can be. Why don't you want to be on your own, LT asked, knowing he was making me feel somewhat uneasy. Everything is more fun with friends or in a big group where everyone can contribute to the group. And we can make awesome memories together. It's nice having people you can support and help out. It's equally as nice when someone does the same for you in a time of need, I replied. A voice asked, What did that fraternity ritual mean to you? I told them I thought it meant I had to be an honest and good person to live with fewer regrets. What the poem meant to me was a lot different than what I had divulged, though. The truth was that I had always sought out my dad's approval but it wasn't him who I had to look at in the mirror. I was in a place where I could do what I wanted, both in my life and in my college environment. I was always worried about what my dad would think if I failed or did something wrong. This poem made me realize that I had to become more self-serving if I wanted to live a life without regret. It made me think about all the things I had done to please other people when I should have just stuck up for myself or been more ambitious with my actions. I should have tried more things because as pledging taught me, the worst thing anyone can say is no, and if they do, you move on. I hadn't been as outgoing as I wanted to be, but by pledging the fraternity, I was starting to become the man I wanted to see in the mirror. After I had answered to be an honest and good person, the brothers said that that was the end of the event. They said I could leave out the back door, and not to talk to any of my pledge brothers that were still waiting at the front door. I was told that my pledge brothers and I could do whatever we wanted with our night, but the brothers warned me that if my pledge brothers or I hung out with any brothers, they were allowed to haze us. So, yeah, I looked up the Michael Jackson song, Not a Fan, and yeah, the, this was just a poem. <laughs> Easiest event ever. And the, here Got I am it? whining about it, right? That this it is a tough event. Hook. It did have a catchy hook. <laughs> I thought Man in the Mirror was the easiest event. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I complained about it thinking that it was a tough one. The after-event treat was a night of leisure and reflection to be enjoyed on our own. I walked out the back door and started heading towards my dorm without looking back. When I had been walking for several minutes, I heard John behind me yelling, Strikes! Strikes! Hold up, man! I kept walking. I was clearly ignoring him. He ran faster and caught up to me. He was screaming so loud I had to turn around. Why are you ignoring me, man? Easy event, right? He patted me on the back. I remained quiet. What the fuck's wrong with you, Strikes? I don't know, man. That event sort of fucked me up, I said. I knew John was going to remind me that we had an agreement to smoke his weed. I presumed he was going to suggest that because we had an easy night, That we should just go to one of the brothers' houses to smoke. After the event, I wasn't feeling like smoking weed anymore. Even a little threat of hazing was not a large enough deterrent to stop John from smoking weed. I was not going to any frat house no matter what John said I agreed to. I didn't want to turn around after we'd just finished an easy event. I didn't want to get picked off by anyone because I felt like it wouldn't be a little hazing, it would be a lot of hazing. All the brothers were completely wasted and had told us to take the night off and not answer phones. If we were seen casually gallivanting around at off-campus parties and houses, then they would probably lose it because they'd think we were throwing it in their faces. It was almost like the brothers were all Bruce Banner and they were telling us to evacuate the area because they were all going to transform into the Incredible Hazers. I switched the subject and asked John what sort of questions they had asked him. He had been asked fewer questions than they asked me. He didn't have such a deep line of questioning as I had. We kept walking towards Muse, and all I could think about was the event. They hadn't even mind fucked me, they just made me think. I was thinking about the person I wanted to become. It was almost like the event had made me psychologically stronger because I had decided nothing would make me quit pledging. I'd be in SIG H soon enough. This mindset helped me start devoting my thoughts to other things. In this case, I was trying to avoid John talking about where we were going to smoke weed. We got back to our floor, dressed up and sporting our Chuck Taylors, making for a funny looking costume. The event was easy overall, and maybe I was just being melodramatic, but it did make me think a lot. When I got back into my room, I was feeling broken down inside. The fucking fraternity was making me self analyze and change into a better person based on my wants. John said he was going to roll a joint. And that he'd come get me in a minute. Damn them for making me want to chase my own desires. Inspiration's the most valuable thing you should have gotten from that. Yes, absolutely. I said, Whatever, dude, I'm not smoking with you. John screamed in the hallway, You fucking promised you'd smoke with me, Mike. I'll come see you in a minute. John slammed his dorm room door. The noise was enough that a few heads popped out of open doors throughout the long hallway, almost like whack-a-mole. I sighed to myself and went into my room. Paul said, Hey bud, back already? It must have gone pretty good if you aren't covered in mustard and smell like cinnamon. I laughed and said, I'm actually feeling kind of depressed, bro. Knox said, You know what, man? It could be a lot worse. I've seen you come back stinking like the ocean, like shit, booze, hash, chemicals, and every condiment ever made. Other times, you look like you got the shit stomped out of you. I think you should keep your head up. Be positive, bro. It could be worse. It could be me. I got with two chicks this week. It's been a great week, buddy. I laughed again, because when he reminded me that it could be worse, he was right. My roommate had like a Matthew McConaughey sort of attitude. He's like, don't worry about it, bro. Everything's fine. Also, I was, you know, with two chicks this week. That was a terrible Matthew McConaughey impression. I'm sorry. He would have been like, don't worry, bro. Everything's all right, all right, all right. Ah. (laughs) Paul was a good friend. The room fell to a calm silence. I was sitting at my computer, getting ready to play Counter-Strike. Paul Knox was typing to a few girls on AOL Messenger on the other side of the room. There was a knock on the door, and the calm silence was broken. John started shaking the door handle and knocking harder on the locked door. Strikes! Come on, man! I sighed. Paul looked at me, what the fuck, and shook his head laughing. I opened up the door to an eager and ready-to-smoke John. I told him that I didn't want to blaze, and we got into an argument. He thought I was overreacting about the event. I was just tired of doing things that other people wanted to do all the time, so I said no again. The fight escalated, and John left my room. Eventually, I walked next door to his room and told him that I was sorry. I explained that I was caught up thinking about the event. I told him that if he wanted to go smoke, that I would join him. I felt bad, and I was overreacting. If I could just relax and have a night to myself, it was something that I needed to learn how to enjoy. It wasn't something that came often while pledging anymore, without compromises. Everything fun was beginning to have trade-offs. We thought about what would happen if we went to any of the brothers' houses. John and I didn't want to go to any brothers' house off campus, because we didn't want to introduce ourselves to hazing if we didn't have to. While we were thinking of how we were going to smoke joints without getting in trouble, we walked down to James's room. I found out from John that night, James lived on the first floor of Mews. When I found out James was in our dorm, I couldn't believe it. I had no idea why James wasn't in my room every day blazing with me. When we got to his room and he answered the door, the first thing he said was, There's no way I'm going to any brother's houses to get hazed. John and I laughed and asked James if he wanted to join us on our journey to find a smoke spot. Where do you guys think you're going to smoke? On campus or off campus? James asked. We were probably going to smoke on campus because there is a less chance a brother would be on campus now and not drinking with the rest of the brothers at the house, I said. James said that he just wanted to have a night to himself. Sounded familiar, and that he was going to study and watch television. James added by saying, Plus, what if you guys run into someone on campus? We'll be okay, man. SIG H, our campus security, we'll be safe, I said, but I didn't fully believe my own words that we'd be safe. I understood that James didn't want to hang out, and I wasn't going to have him continue throwing excuses at us to make us leave. James was literally only, the only smart one. Sounds that way. <laughs> He's like, no, you guys are heat. I don't want to come with you. Smart. I said, we get it if you don't want to come. John didn't usually take no for an answer. John continued to play the peer pressure card until you could tell James was going to shut his door in John's face. Let's go, man, I said to John, putting my hand on his shoulder. I looked back at James and said, have a great night, bud. Get lots of sleep. John and I left in search of a smoke spot. There weren't any safe places to smoke weed, and every dark building we went behind had some foot traffic. We walked over to the Dalton Food Hall because they had a back-loading dock area that was pretty dark. When we walked over there, two older employees were outside smoking cigarettes. We were running out of good ideas on where we could safely smoke our ganja. Fuck it, man. Let's just go to someone's house, like the sweetheart house, or someone that won't haze us, John said. He had given up his on-campus search. No way, man, I said. There was no way I was going to subject myself to hazing, especially on a night that was given to me to smoke pot with John. We set our minds back to finding a place on campus. And as we passed Stuart Hall, a dorm beside the dining hall, we saw it there. It was disgusting, but beautiful at the same time. A paradox of beauty, if you will. It was sitting next to a building beside Dalton that had classes in it, and another building that had student housing. It was a baby blue-colored porta-potty with a white roof. College was the time for experimenting, and a lot of firsts for me. The porta potty would be the first and last porta potty I would ever smoke weed in. Do you see what I see? I said to John. The porta potty? Fuck yeah, John replied. Okay, I'll be lookout and you smoke and then we'll switch. That's sketch, man, John slurred through his braces. We both have to get in there, man. John, there is no fucking way that we will both be able to fit into that shit. It didn't matter. It was gonna happen. So I just went with it. We both crammed ourselves into the tiny blue blaze box. We laughed quietly. This is fucking tight, bro, I said. I had to lean against one of the inside walls just so John and I would have enough space. He was so cramped on his side as well. He barely had enough room to light the joint without burning both of us in the process. There wasn't even enough room for one of us to sit and the other to stand. All of the ways we would shift turned out to be homoerotic. So we both went back to our original positions of standing side to side. I didn't want to be touching any part of the inside of the porta potty. As we sat in the darkness smoking, I looked around at the comments in the porta potty. It is almost like there is a requirement that at least one piece of graffiti must be put in these porta potties for them to be rented. After John had lit the joint and passed it to me, the smoke session was on. John took a few tokes and started coughing uncontrollably. Oh, it's like that? I said. John passed me the joint. It burned crisp, and the smoke felt smooth as I pulled back a hit. It was so smooth that I took too big of a hit and started coughing, too. I immediately passed it back to John. When he realized how much noise I was making, he whispered, shh, as he laughed at the same time, choking on the sweet smoke of AK-47. It was more like, shh, 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 shh. Coughing simultaneously? Yes. This is such a stupid idea. Only two adolescents would go into a porta potty to smoke weed together. Or drug addicts. Someone's smoking weed out here, a snotty girl said to another. I peered through the tiny vent holes in the porta potty and saw that it was a blonde girl walking with her friend. We held our breath as we kept passing the joint back and forth. If we were going to sit there, we might as well burn the evidence together. I was sure smoke was probably pouring out the vents of the porta potty, but I didn't care. We were successfully hotboxing, getting high, and not getting hazed. As long as the girls kept walking, we'd be A-OK. You think someone is smoking in that porta potty The friend replied to her. Only a fucking crackhead would smoke in there, Becky. I don't think so. So anyways, did you finish your statistics? They carried on walking, and their voices faded into the distance. It was probably just my paranoia, but it felt like the joint wasn't getting smaller. We kept smoking and smoking, and it got bigger and bigger. The more we inhaled, the more it inflated. It was like a blowfish joint. The weed was so good that I didn't even want to have any more of it. They call it a one hitter quitter, or in this case, a two hitter quitter. The weed that I barely started smoking had already made me want to quit smoking it. Eventually, through playing hot potato, it finally started to become smaller. Then the worst of worst things happened. When I was passing the joint to John, He burned himself and dropped it on the ground of the porta potty That was it for me. I was done and didn't want to smoke any more of that disgusting thing after it hit the floor of an outdoor public bathroom, a 24-hour cesspool. John scrambled to pick it up and shoved me even further against the wall I was already leaning against. The wall shook and we began to rock over. If anyone was walking by, it would have been a good show. They would probably just think that someone was having sex in there. John kept smoking the joint and tried to pass it to me. No thanks, man. I am so high. Don't be a fucking pussy, Strikes. I can't smoke this alone. John bled. Now remember, this joint just fell on the ground of this porta potty and he picked it up and he still wants to keep smoking it. Yeah, no thought process whatsoever. None. Fuck that gross shit, Knowles. It just touched the ground and is probably covered in shit. I am so high and there is no possible way I could find my way back to the dorm if I smoked any more of that, I replied. I could hardly breathe, and the porta potty was so full of smoke that smoke was being displaced by our movements. Our smoke was bellowing outside of the porta potty Okay, I'm done, John said. We both paused for a second, because we didn't know what to do with the joint. After our high brains had clued in, I lifted the toilet seat, and John threw the joint into the fecal abyss. We opened up the door and fell out of the porta potty together. At that moment, a couple was walking by that both had school books in their hands. They stopped dead in their tracks and met eyes with John and I, who were now on our hands and knees in a doggy-style position, staring back at them. The door of the port potty slammed shut behind us. The force of the door closing pushed all of the smoke into a big floating cloud above the port potty You guys okay? The couple asked. Oh, we're fine, thanks. I said. They both smiled and walked away holding hands. So, John and I are both on our hands and knees coughing, and there is a giant smoke cloud coming out of this porta potty and above this porta potty. You're gonna eat less uh, spicy foods. Yeah, exactly. Great couple, though. I couldn't believe that's all it took to satisfy them. John and I could have set a smoke signal before we got into the porta potty because there was the biggest cloud of smoke floating above it when we were done. I was curious how long the cloud had been there. We were not inconspicuous at all. John and I both started walking back to the dorms. It turned out to be a good decision to go out with John, even if the smoking session was slightly sketchy and very cramped. When we got back, I sat high as a kite in my room. I thought about who I was going to see the next time I looked in the mirror. I knew it wouldn't be the same man I saw in its reflection before the event. It would be a better man, staring back at me. So that was my night. I think that's one of the most, uh... I I, I liked that event. I liked the, uh... The meaning behind it. And the introspection you're supposed to, you know... You're supposed supposed to be analyzing yourself. And and as a kid, going into a fraternity, like, drinking, party, whatever... It was refreshing to know that it wasn't all just drink and party and, and whatever. There was some seriousness to it and, like, you, you should be looking at yourself. And, you know, if you're happy with the person you see in the mirror, then that, that matters. And that not all hazing has to be bad. There could be a type of hazing that does lead to a beneficial purpose. Psychological warfare hazing. <laughs> Absolutely.